Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am grateful for you, glad that you're joining me here on the Bible in Life. Our goal on the Bible in Life is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. What I mean by that is Bible teaching, theology that's rooted in the context of everyday life, that's spoken in the language of everyday life, to help you and I follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. And so that's my heart. That's my goal. That's what we aim for on the uh, the podcast. So if this is your first time here, man, I hope it's super helpful to you. And I hope it helps you not only understand the Bible, but get to know God more, get to know Jesus more, and follow Jesus a whole lot better. And if you're a regular listener, and if you're maybe even a supporter of this ministry and this show, uh, thanks a ton for just being a part of the Bible and Life family. Uh, thanks a ton for your prayers and your generous support if you're one of those who helps make this ministry possible in that way. Now, over the last handful of weeks, what we've been doing on the Bible and Life is just answering Bible questions, a whole host of different kinds of Bible questions. Now, these are questions that I've gotten from a variety of different sources, some from listeners, some from uh, my 20-something-year-old daughter, 20-something-year-old daughter-in-law uh, that regularly asks me Bible questions. And, and I've just kind of compiled this list of questions and been asking and answering them here on the podcast. And so the question we want to look at today is actually a pretty fascinating question, an important question um, in at least regards to how the whole Bible works and fits together. And in a, in a question that really comes up quite a bit in the church when we're trying to understand particularly the relationship between the Old and the New Testament. And this particular question has to do with the Old Testament food laws. And uh, the question itself grew out of uh, someone's reading through the book of Acts. And as they were reading through the book of Acts, they got to Acts chapter 10 and 11, where Peter is on a rooftop and, he, and God gives him this vision of this great sheet that's lowered from the sky. And on the sheet are all sorts of unclean animals. And a voice from heaven tells Peter, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response to the vision is that, no way, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. Well, this happens three times. The voice says it again. No, no, it's okay, Peter. Arise, kill and eat. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the third time, no, arise, kill and eat. And then the vision goes away. The sheet is lifted back up into the sky, and all of a sudden the vision is gone. And in the moments that follow, then uh, there's a knock at the door, and uh, there are some um, officers sent from a um, military man by the name of Cornelius from the city of Caesarea, and it actually leads to the Gentiles being welcomed into the new family of God in Jesus. It's an interesting little story, but this whole little bit about the food laws and arise, Peter, kill and eat, and Peter's response, I've never eaten anything unclean. Well, what is that all about? And what were the purpose of these food laws? And why did God give Peter this vision of the food laws at this point in time? And it's all really connected to the purpose and the point of those Old Testament food laws. So if you're not super familiar with your Bible, uh, under the Old Covenant, the Sinai Covenant that God made with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, uh, they had, you know, kosher foods and non-kosher foods, clean foods and 
unclean foods, animals they could eat, animals they couldn't eat. You can read about those in various places in the Old Testament, but uh, a good place is like Leviticus chapter 11. It lists off a bunch of clean and unclean foods. It actually gives some specific reasons as to why this animal is clean and that one's unclean. Now, what's the point of all of this? What's the purpose of these food laws? Well, before we dive into the food laws specifically, we need to remember that this is part of, the food laws are part of the, the uh, Sinai covenant, which is God's covenant with the nation of Israel. The way one scholar puts it is the Sinai covenant uh, tells God's ways in Moses's days, right? Like it, it was made with them in their cultural context for their time and place and for God's purposes in and through the nation of Israel. And so the Sinai covenant and the laws of the Sinai covenant all fit into the grander story of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and all fit into the grander story of uh, the nation of Israel and God's purposes and promises to them. So it's all part of that that culminates in the person of Jesus. And now with that said then, what is the purpose of the food laws in that big story. Well, God gave the food laws to the nation of Israel as part of the nation's calling to be a holy nation. Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, God tells Israel before he gives them the Ten Commandments and inaugurates the Sinai Covenant, God tells them that they are set apart to be a holy nation. And the basic meaning of the word holy is set apart or distinct or different. Well, the food laws as part of that calling, right? Like Israel is supposed to be different from the nations around them. They're supposed to be distinct and set apart for God's purposes and God's plans. Well, the food laws were one way that Israel would be different. Like you're going to eat different food. You're not going to eat the same food. Like all the stuff they eat and the way they prepare, it's not up for grabs for you. One of the ways you're going to be different, Israel, is simply in the foods you can eat, the foods you can eat, what you eat every day. So the distinction between clean and unclean foods symbolized, and that's really important, symbolized uh, Israel's distinction as the holy people of God. Here's the way God, through Moses, explains it in Leviticus chapter 20, 24 to 26. This is a really important little passage for us to understand the point and the purpose of the food laws. This is what God says, Leviticus 20, 24 through 26. He says to the nation of Israel, I am the Lord your God who has singled you out from the peoples. Notice that. The peoples are the surrounding nations around them. It's what we would call in the New Testament the Gentiles. It's uh, the word nations. In fact, both in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, the word translated Gentiles and the word translated nations are the same words um, in both Greek and Hebrew. And so God has singled Israel out from the surrounding peoples, taken them to be his own possession, to be a holy nation through whom he's going to fill his, fulfill his purposes, uh, not only for them, but for the whole world uh, to redeem and restore the world. So uh, I am the Lord your God who has singled you out from the peoples. This is what he says. You are therefore to make a distinction between the clean animal and the unclean animal, between the unclean bird 
and the clean bird. Notice the connection. I've called you out of the surrounding peoples. I've singled you out as my people. And because of that, you're supposed to distinguish between the clean animals and the unclean animals. You shall not, he goes on to say, you shall not make yourselves detestable by an animal or by a bird or by anything that crawls on the ground, which I have distinguished for you as clean. These words uh, distinguish and distinct, they're directly related to the word holy. I have made a distinction. Uh, I am distinguishing between these animals. They are this uh, symbol, this symbolic practice of marking you out as distinct and different. So verse 26 concludes this section by saying, So you are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have singled you out from the peoples to be mine. So here's what this means. There might be some secondary benefits to the food loss, like hygiene and some of that sort of stuff. Sure, there might be some secondary benefits to those things in a culture where there wasn't refrigeration, right? And uh, some of those kinds of benefits would be useful in a culture where at that time they were nomadic and they were traveling, right? Um, There might be some secondary benefits such as hygiene and some of that. But the primary purpose of the food laws was to symbolize Israel's separation from the nations, to set them apart as distinct. It's just kind of to symbol. They're different. And every day they eat, they know they're different. And this is why what happens to Peter in Acts chapters 10 and 11 with that vision of the great sheet and all the unclean animals, arise, Peter, kill, and eat, that's why what happens there makes so much sense. The food laws symbolized that God's people didn't include the Gentiles, the nations around them, the foreign nations, the foreign peoples, right? That's the whole point of the food laws is like to mark out my kind of this boundary, this distinction between God's people, the nation of Israel, and those who are not part of that people, those who are Gentiles and foreigners. Um, it marked out that Israel was separate and different. So when God wanted the early church, the apostle Peter, and the other apostles to see that now in the Messiah, now in Jesus, the nations, the Gentiles, were welcome to join the people of God as Gentiles, as part of the nations. He gave Peter a vision of unclean animals and told him to eat. Um, That's just like taking the very point and purpose of the food laws and using it to instruct Peter on, guess what? Those laws no longer apply because the distinction that we made between Israel and the nations no longer applies. And so there in Acts 10 and 11, when the vision is over and some Gentiles show up at the door of the house where Peter is staying, and God says to Peter through the Spirit, go with them. Don't have any misgivings. Peter was able to put two and two together. He knew the law. He knew the law, the food laws. He knew, he knew the point of the food laws. And so he realized that this vision of the sheep and the unclean animals, and then all of a sudden this arrival of these Gentiles, he could put two and two together. And he realized that the vision made a point about the Gentiles, not just about food. He realized that because he knew the purpose of the food laws. And so Peter when he gives his speech to Cornelius and his household and the gathered Gentiles, Peter says, 
Acts 10.28, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter's able to jump from a vision of a sheet with unclean foods to the Gentiles and say, through that vision, God was showing me that I'm not supposed to make this distinction of clean and unclean people anymore. Um, He can make that connection because he understood the symbolic purpose of the food laws as stated there in Leviticus 20. Now, one other important fact about the food laws, especially for us as God's people today, that we should think through is this. Since the food laws were part of God's calling to Israel to be a people set apart for him, that is to be holy and different, well, in that sense then, the food laws were like a daily cultural reminder of the importance of and the need for holiness. Uh, And that means that the food laws pointed beyond themselves. They were sort of like a daily recurring object lesson. Think of it like that. A daily recurring object lesson uh, that said God's people are to be a holy people. So we eat these foods not in and of themselves necessarily as a, a good thing by themselves, right? It's that they point beyond themselves to a greater lesson about the importance of holiness. Well, holiness didn't just end, didn't go away. When Jesus came, holiness changed and holiness went deeper. So God's people in Christ, in the new family of Jesus, God's people are still called to be holy. It's just that the details of that holiness look a little different than it did under the Sinai covenant that was made with Moses. So with that in mind, check out what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. Jesus says this, verse 14, And he called the crowd to him again, and he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there's nothing outside the person which can defile him if it goes into him. That word defile means makes him unclean. We're talking about clean and unclean food. There's nothing outside of a person which by eating it, going into him, can make him unclean if it goes into him. But the things which come out of the person, now that's what makes that person unclean. That's what defiles him or makes him unclean. So notice Jesus just forced us to think about the nature of clean and unclean differently. And what he's really doing is he's going to draw our attention to the the ultimate goal of clean and unclean distinctions and clean and unclean foods, like pointing beyond themselves as a giant object lesson. The unclean and clean food laws were supposed to help Israel think about the importance of holiness, and holiness really didn't have a whole lot to do with food. It had a whole lot to do with the character of your heart and what flowed out of your heart. And so Jesus says, uh, it's the things that come out of the person that can make a person unclean. And so then he goes on in Mark 7, verse 17, and says, when he later entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about this. And he said to them, are you lacking in understanding as well? Don't you understand that whatever goes into the person from the outside cannot make him unclean because it doesn't go into his heart. It just goes into his stomach, and then eventually it's eliminated. It goes into his stomach and then into the toilet, right? And so it doesn't go into his heart. And then Mark adds in this little parenthetical note, and thereby Jesus declared all foods clean. He declared all foods clean in this moment because they're not really the point. 
The point of the clean and unclean was to point beyond themselves to a deeper issue of holiness. And so Jesus goes on in verse 20 and says, that which comes out of the person, that's what defiles the person. That's what makes him clean or unclean, right? For from within, out of the heart uh, is uh, people come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, uh, adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, out of the heart, and they make the person unclean. And so when you hear Jesus say that, Jesus indicated that a clean and unclean foods intended to teach a lesson about clean and unclean behaviors which flow out of the heart. And so in Christ, in Messiah, as the new family of Jesus, unclean now refers to the sinful deeds which flow from an impure heart. So we're still supposed to be holy. And what the food laws were supposed to teach Israel um, was that holiness um, has to do with being distinct from the world around us, different, set apart. And the way now in Christ that our distinction, our set-apartness is supposed to show up is in our character and the purity of our lives. And therefore, it shouldn't surprise us that Peter, one of the 12 disciples who heard Jesus explain this to him here in Mark chapter 7, right? That Peter, writing in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, says, Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord God Almighty. And he's quoting from the book of Leviticus. It's actually uh, very similar to the line that shows up at the end of Leviticus 20, 24 to 26 about the food laws. You are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord your God, am holy, and I've singled you out. Now, in Peter's case, holiness doesn't have to do with clean and unclean foods. It has to do with the purity of our heart and thus the cleanness, the purity of the lives we live. And that's ultimately what the food laws have to do with holiness. They were intended to help Israel realize you've got to be different. And so today, in Christ, we need to remember we've got to be different. Yes, all foods are clean, but not all behaviors are clean. All foods are clean, but not everything that gets stored up in a heart is clean. And so we present ourselves to God to say, God, I want to be holy as you are holy. Teach me what that looks like. Help me to be different from the world around me so I can show a different way of being human, a way that shines your light to the watching world. Ultimately, we as God's people are to be a holy people set apart for him, for his purposes, reflecting his wisdom and his justice and his character and his grace back into this world so that they could see what it looks like to really be the people of God. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bible and Life podcast, and thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, thanks for being faithful followers of Jesus, and I pray that he strengthens you by his grace, fills you with his spirit, so that you really can live that holy, godly kind of life that he's calling you to live. And thanks again to all of you who support this ministry. If you want to join the team of supporters, it's a crowdfunded ministry, you can follow the link down in the notes below, or you could just swing on over to johnwhitaker.net, click the Give tab up in the upper right-hand corner, and you can set up a one-time or a monthly recurring donation. Just know that all monthly recurring donors 
Uh, right now are getting free access to the Listener's Commentary Study Hub. And so if you want to set that up, that would mean a lot to me and it would be useful to God's purposes in and through this ministry. So thanks a ton. May God bless you if you choose to support that way. And to all of you who already do, thank you for your support. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.